Alright ladies and gentlemen, welcome into another episode of Tailgate Tapes, my personal favorite piece of content that I do. I create a lot of content, whether it be film breakdowns, uh, you know, articles that we write. I think we've written like, or written like 15 or 20 articles over the last two days. It has been a, a, a wild storm over there on DogsDaily.com, so feel free to check those out uh, if you are a Georgia fan. But by all means, you know, whether it be MBR, whether it be film studies, whether it be whatever content I'm producing... Film or tailgate tapes is by far my favorite, and I know these guys enjoy it as well. I got D, or Dan Kylo with me as, as always, and, and Cam Brady. Uh, SSL sitting in the shadows tonight, as he was in the first episode. Uh, so he'll get the primo, uh, the premiere version of this prior to it going live uh, on any podcast platform. I do have to ask you, wherever you found this podcast, however you found this podcast, do a couple things for me, man. Like, subscribe, rate, and review, like every other podcaster in the world tells you to do. Uh, but if you also could, just tell your friends about it, man. Like, I can only tweet about this stuff so much. Um, these guys can only tweet about it so much. It's it's the general growth that comes from you guys spreading it word of mouth. So if you got somebody that likes sports movies or if you got someone in your life that enjoys this type of content, just send it to them, man, and it, I, we would greatly appreciate that. But tonight's movie is Major League. I think this is a 1990s-ish movie. Uh, Dan, I'm sure you would know. Uh, but no, I, I'll go ahead and read the overall uh, review of this movie. Not necessarily a review, but the plot summary of this movie. Um, it is the new owner of the Cleveland Browns, former showgirl Rachel Phelps, played by Margaret Witten, has a sweetheart deal to move the, uh, move the team to Miami. But to break the lease with the city of Cleveland, ticket sales have to plummet. So Phelps hires the most incompetent baseball players available, including near-blind pitcher Rick Vaughn, who's played by Charlie Sheen, and injury-prone catcher Jake Taylor, who is played by Tom Berenger. But her villainous... I'm having problems reading tonight, guys. I'm a writer, not a reader. Uh, her villainous tactics accidentally foster a can-do t- or a can-do team spirit, turning the Indians into a potential winner. So, bottom line... Owner of a, of a baseball team takes over after her dead husband passes away, uh, and she wants to move the team to Miami. She's got, a, as the, the summary says, a sweetheart deal where if they, you know, if the attendance goes down low enough, there's a clause in the MLB contract uh, or city contract, right, the city ordinance, that if the attendance drops below eight, eight I think it's eight thousand uh, fans a, a game, they are allowed to uproot the team and move it elsewhere. So she probably she tries to put the worst roster together she possibly can. And they end up being pretty good, as you would expect from a movie like that. General overviews, guys, of, you know, just the movie in and of itself. Cam, we'll start with you. And then, Dan, as our movie historian around here, I know you've seen this movie probably more than the rest of us and were present and alive when it came out. So you can give us some context around that. Cam, general overview of this movie. I have to tell you, growing up, this is one of my favorites. I was a baseball kid growing up, football kid growing up. Major League, by far, one of my favorite movies growing up. Um, and and I, I'm, I'm super excited to be doing this one tonight. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, I think it's a childhood favorite for anybody who grew up watching sports, especially if your dad was into it. If you're our age and your dad was into it, he's the one, you know, it's playing on TNT or wherever it's playing. Hey, sit down, let's watch this thing. Um, But, I I mean, this movie's fantastic. It's hilarious all the way through. Um, I mean, everybody that's in the movie is just giving it their absolute all. I mean, there's no misses when it comes to the acting in this movie. And one of the things I appreciated, just tying back into our very first podcast, uh, kind of has a similar theme to. Um, oh gosh, I, I completely I dropped the name, but uh, the the first movie we watched, Any Given Sunday. Um, Any Given Sunday. There we go. Um, with uh, the owner, and uh, there, there's a lot of there's a pressure on the team. They want to move the team. Um, they're trying to get a new stadium. Um, what's with Miami in both movies? Just handing out stadiums like candy. 
Um, that's, and then, that's Miami. I mean, look at the Miami Marlins right now. They have the most god-awful stadium in the history of Major League Baseball, all paid by, you know, tax owners and tax dollars. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a trope in movies and a, and a not only a trope in movies, but a trope in real life. You, you want a free stadium, move to Miami. That's, that's facts. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's just a great movie. Uh, we'll, we'll throw it to Dan and see what he thinks. Danny boy, what do you got? Well, contrary to popular belief in this podcast, I did not see this movie when it first came out, uh, but I have seen it so many times in my life. It is absolutely a favorite, just like you guys said. It's, it's such a fun movie, and it's just it it meets the criteria of such a great movie in so many different ways. It's fun. It moves, and the baseball is actually pretty decent. The little bit yeah. that's played in it, uh, a lot of the things that hold up. It, it, Rewatching this movie and, and, and having the opportunity to do it again tonight just reminded me how much I love this movie. It's so fun. I mean, I guess we got to chop the whole movie up, Cam, because Dan didn't watch it, you know, in theaters. So I guess we got to move on to the next one. Five minutes in, I guess that's what we just have to do. No, no. I, I was, I, I was, t- I was ten. You were ten. So yeah, rated R movies probably not something. Is this, this movie's rated R, right? There's a, there's, there's a yeah, it's rated F-bombs R. Bombs thrown out in this one. Yeah, definitely rated R, but. Um, no, I, I think one thing you hit on there, Dan, I, I appreciated how tight this movie was. Um, I, I really think for the introduction of the term Eddie Lacey on this podcast, we could not have chosen a better movie to start than any given Sunday. I mean, it's the fattest movie in the history of movies. There's so much fat to be trimmed off of that. Um, the last two movies we've watched in Varsity Blues and this movie, I thought were relatively tight. There's a couple scenes that we'll talk about here in a little bit that I thought were, you know, borderline unnecessary. Um, but let's kind of just walk through chronologically. I mean, the, the movie opens with a, a, a really long uh, musical intro, right? And I get this is a 90s movie thing, right, where you're doing the, the intro credits where nowadays they understand the viewer's attention span's not that long. Like, you have to get to it and get to it immediately. If you're going to be rolling credits, we at least got to have some B-roll of actual people that are in the movie. Instead, this movie sets the scene with a hardworking town of Cleveland, right? You get – so what, what's the song, Dan? I know you got a hard-on for it. What's the song? It's called Burn On by Randy Newman. Okay, Burn On by Randy Newman is played. Decent song, pretty good song. And you, you start to see what's going on in Cleveland. They start showing you old newspaper clips to just prove to you how bad the Indians are if we just didn't need to know um, or didn't know for some reason. I mean, they've pretty much been bad my whole life. I understand this movie sets place prior to my life, but I never, ever heard of a great Indians team. I haven't. Um, maybe I'm misinformed on that one, so Cleveland fans can probably get mad at me. But, Dan, do you know of any Cleveland team that's ever been good? Uh, yeah, absolutely. The team that the Braves beat in the World Series, they had Manny go. Ramirez, Jim Tomey. That team was freaking loaded. Uh, Vizquel, that, that, team, that team might be one of the best teams ever put together, and the Braves beat them. So. Yeah, it was two. So um, you can understand why. I, I, yeah, that's probably the last time the Cleveland Indians were. Actually, actually, they played in the World Series, didn't they? Didn't they lose to the Chicago uh, Cubs? And that one, and, just a couple and years trainers. ago, yeah, just a couple years ago. So I'm completely ignorant to baseball as I sit in front of a Nolan Ryan jersey right here behind me. Uh, but no, see, movie opens with with that scene, the 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 song that Dan loves so much, and and, and kind of sets the table for what we're about to see. And then if they didn't set it even better for the actual town that it's in. They give you the immediate plot summary right off the rip. The, the, the new owner comes in, obviously played by Margaret Witten, uh, Rachel Phelps, who is the new owner. Her recent husband just passed away. Um, they, they call her a, uh, what do they call her, a showgirl wife? I, uh, growing up, never realized that this is what this was. I just thought this was some 
you know, lady that owned the team. I didn't realize that that's what they were going for. Um, you know, hot young lady that dated an old rich man. She, he dies. She gets everything he's owned. Um, didn't realize that was what was going on. But, yeah, Dan, what you got? He was a Vegas showgirl. Vegas that's why showgirl. Yeah, so he married a Vegas showgirl. That was the whole thing. Nice. Um, but, yeah, she sets the scene immediately. I mean, she lets them know, like, hey, look, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be bad. There, there's this clause um, in the contract, in our, in our city ordinance, that if we have low enough attendance, we can move to Miami. I got a sweet deal set up in Miami, so we're going to lose. Here's a roster of players. There's some great quotes in there that I love the most, but I appreciated upon, you know, first real full viewing as an adult that's sitting down to critically watch this movie, even though we're far from critics here. We're more just comic relief um but as someone who was paying attention to every word and every line um i appreciated the tone setting of this original this very first scene uh when you get the the full layout of what's about to happen she's trying to tank i mean that's what she's doing she's trying to tank to get to miami thoughts on the initial scene opening scene right there guys we'll start with you dan oh i just love the way that they set it up the movie it's a slow er, the song turn on slow paced it's it's like a lazy Sunday afternoon, and everybody's playing baseball out in the streets. And it just really sets the tone of how there's a connection with their baseball team, even though they're crappy. And we can relate as Braves fans and people from this area. We grew up with a really bad baseball team. And maybe you're right. You guys were born. The Braves were already good. When I was here, when I was young, the Braves were terrible. We were losing 100, 100 games a season, but we still went to games. I still remember going to Fulton County with my dad, sitting in the front row. Um, you know, because there was nobody at the stadium. So we would buy upper deck seats and the ushers didn't care. And we'd move all the way down to the front row and sit there. And that's the connection. And I think that's lost on this generation. And hopefully that when people watch this movie, they can connect to it. But I think that's really one of the biggest things that's lost is the love affair with baseball. When I was young, that love affair was so strong. But as this, this culture has gotten away from enjoying things and it's, it's instant gratification and fast, fast, fast. Yeah. Uh, games like football and basketball have picked up in popularity and baseball has really been hung out to dry, so to speak, because it's not fast paced. But I, and I just love the way that that it brings it in because it's lazy, it's slow. And that's the way the baseball game is. It's, it's slower, but it's so enjoyable if you understand the nuance of it. And I think that's what they were trying to go with. Maybe there is a film critic on our hands. Cam, uh, thoughts on the uh, original scene where you get to meet the owner and, and understand what the heck the movie's about? I think it's genius. Cause I mean, this movie is ultimately about the characters, right? Yeah. I mean, as soon as you get this scene, you know what the plot is, you know where it's headed, right? You, you know that they're not going to be, you know, they're not supposed to be good, but they're going to be good. And we know where this is heading. So it really laying it out there at the beginning, just lets you focus on the characters, which is the strength of this movie. Yeah. And I then- mean, I, the first character, right? And then you really get to meet the general manager. Um, I forget what his name is in the movie, but um, Dan, do you have it? I don't have it. Um, anyway, his name is Donovan. Donovan. There you go. But you, you get to know Donovan and you get to know the owner. There's one other line, um, you know, from a couple other guys in the movie, but are in that scene, but they're gone. I think the next scene that we get when, when these actual players that she put a list of players out in front of these guys and said, I want these guys. Um, you, I mean, you meet the manager immediately. You meet Jake Taylor immediately. You you meet Willie Mays Hayes immediately. Uh, Charlie Sheen's character Ricky Vaughn, uh, Roger Dorn, and Serrano, which are I mean those are the main characters in this movie, and they don't waste time, the audience's time at all 
trying to get you invested in anybody that does not matter in the plot line of this movie. Um, starting with that second scene, they show up to um, training camp almost in the order of importance in this movie based off how the the director and the, the script writers wanted it to be, right? You see Jake Taylor first in the Mexican hotel room, obviously, um, with, the, with the hat on his head, and he's absolutely slam hungover. Um, and then you start meeting the rest of the guys, right? They go to Ricky Vaughn next. He's in prison. Um, they bring Willie Mays Hayes in up, up on the car. You see Serrano uh, in, in full uh, Jabu, um, you know, regalia. And you, you find out that he's voodoo immediately. Roger Dorn shows up with a pair of golf clubs. Like, they let you know exactly who each individual character is the very first time you see them. And I think that's a great aspect of this movie that's kind of, I mean, it fits this generation. I think that's the reason this movie holds up. Like, even to this day, if you set a 14-year-old down, Dan, if you set your son down and said, hey, uh, you know, watch this movie right here. Tell me what you think. I think he would think it holds up, right? It, it, because it does move really, really well. It doesn't waste your time um, as an audience member. And I think that's what I get from the second scene, right, where we actually get to meet um, these individuals. And for that matter, like, you find out a lot about all of them, right? You find out Jake Taylor's the old busted-up baseball player that's, you know, got a drinking problem, borderline drinking problem. You find out that Ricky Vaughn's coming from, you know, basically a penitentiary, like he's coming straight from jail. You get the uh, obsessed with voodoo thing from Serrano's character. You get Willie Mays. I mean, you don't understand Willie Mays Hayes yet, but you get that he's flashy, right? And he's, you know, say, hey, Willie Mays. Like, you get them all immediately. I appreciate that about the second scene where they all get to camp. Yeah, I love that scene, and I love the way the transitions work, too, because it, it whoever plotted out this movie, and forgive me, I don't know the screenwriter or whatever, and I could look it up, but that'd just be cheating. But I just love the way that they did it, because when Rachel Phelps starts the movie and she's doing her thing, they finish with dead last, like yeah. we were dead last. I need to be dead last. And then they immediately cut to Jake, just rashed yeah. in a Mexican hotel room. And and you get a, a sense of Jake. He's washed up, right? Then they immediately cut to Lou Brown. And he's been a a manager of the AAA level forever. Yeah. And and he's like, listen, I got a, a guy on the other line about White Walls. I'm White really walls. not interested. Right? That was my favorite. So, it was like, yeah, we're, we're, it's 1989. I, were White Walls even a thing in 1989? I thought White Walls were like a 70s thing. But yeah, that... By 89, like, they were probably pretty expensive, so that's a call he's got to get, right? He's got to get the guy that wants the white walls because that's cash. So, like, Jake Taylor's not interested. Brown is no. not interested. And then they go to Ricky Vaughn. He's like, bro, I don't even know if I can be out of jail by then. <laughs> and then they got Serrano shows up, and he just looks the part. My, my favorite part of that, and maybe you missed it, okay? So, Dorn shows up in his Rolls Royce. Yeah. Right? And he's like, I thought you said we didn't have any high-priced talent. And he's like, mm, it's just high-priced, right? Yeah. Well, immediately after that, they, they introduced Willie Mays Hayes, right? Mm -hmm. He rolls up in a VW Bug that's got a yeah. body kit on it that looks like a Rolls Royce. So it's like, it's, it, it, like, I think there's some subtle gameplay in there where it was like you have the guy who's rich, right? Yeah. And he's, but he's played out. Mm -hmm. And then you got the guy who's, who wants it and he's coming. Yeah, and it's like they're complete polar opposites. Everything I just love the way that they did the Wesley, transition. Wesley Snipes has a great line there. He turns around and goes, "Hey, don't you guys go anywhere. I'm I'm gonna put on a show during batting practice." <laughs> He's like, "I'm gonna be back. I'm gonna put on a show." Um, yeah, great opening scenes right there. Um, first initial thoughts, Cam, on you know when these guys show up to camp. What? I mean, like you said, it's the introduction to all the characters. Yeah. Um, and, and you can't do a better job of just to succinctly 
saying who each one of these guys is. I mean, yeah. like you said, you've got Jake. He's the old guy. He's the grizzled veteran, but but he's a team guy, right? This is his last shot. He's going to make it work. Dorn's an older guy, but he's all about me. Willie Mays, hey, he's the flash, man. He, he He's all about the flash. And, and talking about the good transitions into this uh, in this scene, well, one of the things, doing a little poking around on this movie, so out of that, he's waving goodbye with his handkerchief uh, as he drives away. Mm-hmm. That's actually the cue for Charlie Sheen to roll up on the motorcycle. No um, way. And they just left it in the editing on this movie. Yeah. Um, just they, they random a- facts talking about... Uh, talking about yeah what was going on in the movie i think they did a great job of giving a couple of one-liners to the the supporting characters right the we talked about the assistant general managers in the in the room he they they have a couple of good lines in there where one guy goes this guy's dead and then she goes well cross him off the list and then another guy goes um something along the lines of oh man i lost it already um oh i can't remember what he said um nope have no idea can't find it um, but anyways, no, I, I thought they did a great job. Oh, I know what it was when, uh, when Rick Vaughn shows up, right? The, the assistant coach looks at, um, the head coach and goes, look at, will you take a look at this fucking guy? And he's like looking at Rick Vaughn. Cause he's got this wild ass haircut. I, I think one thing that stands out to me about this movie is that all these guys are throwing smoke. I think this is going to be the most heavily contested Nolan Ryan category we've ever had because all of these guys, they're going for it. I mean, they're absolutely going for it. Even Serrano. So I don't think Serrano says anything until they get into the actual, um, I guess, where they're staying, which looks like, um, you know, a military bunk room. I mean, I've never seen Major League Baseball players live in these types of scenarios, but I guess that's what we're at with they're trying to downgrade them and trying to make them bad. But um, Serrano doesn't even talk until he walks over to Dorn's bag and like takes the the cl- driver head cover off and puts it on his back and goes, "Keep that warm." I think that's. I mean, it, they're all throwing smoke from the jump. So, um, yeah. I mean, what, what's the next scene we have, Dan? Right after that, you transition from that to uh, immediately. You transition to spring training. Yeah. And and uh, so their guys are running sprints, and that's when Willie Mays Hayes is like. Damn, I've been cut already. Yeah, that was funny. Damn, I've been cut already. Gets out of bed in his jammies, which, by the way, a grown man wearing jammies. I mean, come on, bro. But gets out barefooted, goes out there, and they're running 60s, and he runs everybody down. And, you know, there's the line of get that guy a uniform um, from the coach. That's a classic one. Um, I, I think they also do another great job there, right, of not only introducing the characters in the first scene, but in the second scene, they get in there and they're like, Willie Mays Hayes is fast. Jake Taylor's old and his knees hurt. Ricky Vaughn can't find the strike zone. He's a wild thing, right? And Serrano can't hit a curveball. Oh, and Dorn's a prima donna. So, like, they go through every single one of these characters' traits immediately once you see him. What do you got? Well, no, one person you're forgetting there is Eddie Harris, right? So, yeah, Eddie Harris is the yeah, old wily veteran uh, in, you know, he's – He's important in the movie, though. He really is. But, yeah, I mean, so they, they do a great job of doing that. And then once we get in the spring training scene, that's when Lou Brown takes over, right? Yeah. I mean, he is, he establishes himself as the leader of this movie, and he does a great job. I, the one takeaway for me, listening to Lou Brown throughout this entire movie, and I'm sure we'll get to a lot of other stuff, too, but that's fucking legit. Like, you would play for him. Yeah. I mean, he's not like over I mean, the top, but he's definitely he's definitely a player's coach, 100%. You know, but what does a good coach do? A good coach identifies your weaknesses and helps you 
improve on those weaknesses. And that's what that whole first training camp scene does is yeah. every single player, he identifies the weakness and to build the strongest team, he, you know, what do they, I don't know if you ever had anybody tell you this, but on any football team or any team you're on is you're only as good as your weakest link, right? Oh Have I well, you're only as Yeah. But you're only as good as your, is, is your biggest flaw, right? So yeah. whatever that is, we've got to improve it. So I, that, that was something that I took away from the whole training camp scene is that they identify with the weakness of all these different people. And obviously, dude, he just completely owns training camp because he has all the lines. He has all yeah. the one-liners. He has everything. He, you're right. He tells Jake Taylor, uh, ask him how he is. And, and basically, Jake looks at him and goes, you know, I feel great. And I wouldn't lie to you about that stuff. And, and, and Coach looks at him and goes, if you want to make this team, you better and then walks away. I mean, he's got a great late 80s, early 90s Major League Baseball coach's voice, 100%, um, and has some absolutely great lines. Um, yeah, and then I think after that, they basically they, they start telling you what the cutting process looks like, right, which also has some great scenes in that one. I love the scene um, when Serrano is sitting there with that snake, and he's, like, blessing his door. He's blessing his locker room or locker door to make sure there's not a red tag in there, which means you're cut. And then they immediately, after he opens it and, like, has that sigh of relief, they immediately show Willie Mays Hayes with a garden snake. And he's over there, like, with his index finger and his thumb with his baby-ass snake, like, blessing this locker room door. Man, Wes, I think I, – I haven't seen a bunch of Wesley Snipes movies, but, I mean, he, he's excellent in this movie. In every sense of the word, uh, he, he is absolutely great. Thoughts on uh, the idea of, like, the cutting scene, which is – I mean, I guess they have to put it in there, right, because it's spring training. But you know the main characters are getting in. They don't even waste time. They show one guy get cut, um, and it's some – I don't even you – know, you have no Gentry. idea who it is. Dent Gentry? Gentry, his name is Gentry. That's all we know. That's all we know. Again, it goes back to the producers knowing that, like, hey, we're not going to waste time with anybody. We're just gonna, we're just gonna show who we need to show, um, and they end up making the team, right? Except for Dorn playing the trick on uh, on Ricky Vaughn, right, where he puts the tag in his in his locker, and then Ricky uh, Vaughn goes into uh, coach's office and, and basically says, um, "You're going to regret this every time I see you. I'm going to shove it up your fucking ass," and then throws a ball and hits the locker. So, yeah, what's up, Cam? I was just saying, I, I mean, I think it's a really, you know, good uh, way to show the buy-in from all these characters. They're in it. They want to win. I mean, they're, even if they're just in it just for them and their careers, and they, they don't, want but to they also, well. They also don't know yet, right? They, they don't know why they're there. They, they have no idea until, like, you know, 40 minutes into the movie, right? Midway through the season, essentially, um, the coach finds out that, you know, hey, they're actually trying to tank. Like, all of you guys, like, you're here to lose. The other, the team guy, the guys on the team don't have a clue what's going on yet. So, of course, they're, they're all getting, you know, gung-ho for their first opportunity. Um, so, yeah, that would make sense. Which, yeah, which I was going to say, that sets up the good dramatic irony that, you know, they're all fall guys. Yeah. Um, but um, but I didn't I, mean to I step on you there, bro. It's it, it's all good, man. It's your show. I'm just living in it. It is not. Um, <laughs> um but no, I, and I think having that um that conflict with Dorn and uh, Charlie Sheen's character mm -hmm. right there at the end, uh, that's the first time it doesn't seem like everybody on the team is kind of gelling. I mean, you get a little bit with uh, I think it, Harris. I think his name, um, the Eddie. the older picture. Yeah. yeah, Eddie Harris with the older picture. Um, him and Serrano, they kind of go back and forth over uh, uh, Ser Serrano's uh, little rituals. Yeah. Um, but, but that's the first time you see that maybe these guys, maybe there's going to be a little conflict on the team. There's so, a so there's got... a great consistent conflict between Eddie Harris and Serrano between you know being a Christian and being a guy who believes in voodoo. 
Um, there, there's a line right there immediately where he's like, Joe Boo, Joe Boo helped Serrano hit curveball, bat afraid of curveball. And then Eddie Harris goes, you trying to tell me Jesus Christ can't hit a curveball? <laughs> That's a good line. I mean, there's, there's, it's all movies filled with good lines. What do you got, Dan? No, so, all right. I, I know that we do ball bragger and stuff, and I'll come up with something else. I promise I will. But <laughs> the, the most annoying part of this whole thing is they're fucking starters, and they're worried about getting cut. Have you ever seen the starter get cut? Serrano's playing first base. Starter. Jake Taylor is the only freaking catcher. Starter. Yeah. And Willie Mays Hayes is your starting center fielder, and they're worried about getting cut. That's the only part. That's the only thing about that whole scene that falls apart is Ricky Vaughn has a real concern about getting cut. Yeah. He is a wild card. But the rest of them are freaking starters. They are not getting cut. So that's, I'm like, there's no drama in it. And to your point, obviously, we know the main stars are going to make the movie, right? Because yeah. they're not going to just eliminate Charlie Sheen in the first 20 minutes of the movie. But really, they're starters and they're, crossing and i mean this that's the only part that falls apart you got to build drama a little bit somehow even though I, I mean honestly i know how baseball works even though i had no idea the cleveland indians played in the world series like less than five years ago but um i understand that the starters make the team and it never dawned on me bro and honestly never did i never thought i was caught up into it because i think you know young cats whatever i understand that it's a movie that they're going to make the team but you got to add some type of drama in there and i think they did a decent job of that um, and then we get into, I guess, Dan, you hated uh, the girlfriend originally in uh, Varsity Blues. You thought the girlfriend of, uh, of what's his name, the main character, my bad. Um, Mox. Yeah, you, you thought the girlfriend of Mox was useless. This next scene we're going to talk about, we find out um, who Jake Taylor's love interest is immediately. Um, and you look like you got something to say. Well, good. Let me just take this scene. Eddie Lacey, for the rest of the freaking movie, there's no reason <laughs> so this love story him. needs to be... Oh my God, I hate it. First of all, I like the actress, fantastic actress. This has no. If you take every one of these scenes with Lynn out of the movie, yeah. does the movie make sense? The answer is yes. I mean, yeah, but There's... you would you would lose the opportunity to watch a dude after playing a full game as a catcher take a girl's dress or take a girl's skirt off with his spikes. I mean, come on, bro. I mean, seriously. I mean that that's a great scene, and you would you would lose it. You would absolutely lose it if you cut the 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 uh, interest out. And yeah, but I'm I'm here with you. The the Lynn and, and Jake scenes are a little bit overdone. Um, there's just too many of them, uh, honestly. So yeah, I'm I'm with you. We could Eddie Lacy the whole thing. I mean, if we wanted to. Um, but you know, you find out how important of a book Moby Moby Dick is. I'm mean, honestly, you're right. There there are no scenes in this that are actually important to the movie. I mean, there's even a scene in there, Eddie Lacey, where I'm supposed to believe the bullpen cart is going to follow this chick's home or chick's car all the way to her house. I'm supposed to figure I'm supposed to understand that and believe it. I mean, it's a freaking golf cart that's dressed up as a baseball. Like, yeah, that's not happening. I understand that. He's also a tad bit creepy the entire movie. And I don't believe that he would actually pull. No way. I don't believe he would land this chick. I mean, she is in a up. I mean, granted, it's Cleveland, but she is in a penthouse suite. Okay, and she is ma about to marry an attorney. Okay, and yeah, no, not gonna happen. She's not leaving him for some guy making minimum wage in the major leagues that left her and cheated on her. What appears to be several, several times. So I'm, I'm with you, Eddie Lacy on Lynn Wells, which means I guess we could just move on from that scene. And, and w w what's up, Cam? I will say they really like made it seem like he's not making any money making league minimum. 
he's making like two or three times what the average you know salary for the country is. Not even for Cleveland or for the whole country. He's making really good money. Like him and the lawyer are probably making similar money, just making the league minimum. Do you want to know? Because I just Googled it. 1989, bro. 1989 league minimum, $68,000. So yeah, buddy. That's no, like, no like a, what, $130 nowadays? I mean, it's good money. Don't get me wrong. He's definitely not driving a beater like he was. Um, he's definitely not living like he was. But, hey, he's a drunk. So maybe he, maybe he wrecked his nice car, you know? That's a possibility. I don't know. You know, one, one scene that you did skip over to before the Lynn scene was – uh, when they the team is announced and they finally come back to Cleveland from Arizona from yeah. spring training, the scene with Jake in the empty stadium uh, <laughs> when he when he's visualizing hitting yeah. the home run and then you can hear the crowd cheering and stuff. Callback, future callback. Right, but as children, we all had those moments. That is a very connectable moment of the movie. We've all done that. Uh, I remember standing out in the driveway with my basketball at the free throw line. You know, Dan Colley's at the little line. Three, two, two shots to win. Yeah, a little two shots to win the game from the free throw line. You know, one to tie it, one to win it. And, you know, we've all done stuff like that, right? Whoa, Where whoa, we visualize. Whoa, 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 whoa. You were shooting free throws to win the game, dog? Of course. Like, that's the, when you were I, visualizing. You were shooting free throws? Oh, I was in my driveway really doing it, bro. I mean, bro, I, mean, I, was, I was hitting turnaround faders. What are you talking about? Well, that's fine. But when the game's on the line, you have to stand there with the ball in your hands. And I mean, you have to come on. I ain't never the seen. Press, I ain't never seen. A shot sports, is a shot. I ain't never seen Sports Center top ten where the number one play of the night was Dan Kylie hitting the second free throw to put him up two uh, at the end of a game. That ain't never happened. It's always the buzzer beater. So I'm I'm doing the three two one. You can shoot your free oh, throw. Come on, I mean, Team Wolf. Middle. Oh yeah, that's right. Um, no, I mean, I, I, what what else happens in this movie? From this point on, it's almost all baseball stuff, right? I mean, there's there's a couple Except scenes for- in there. Except for the Lynn scenes, because they yeah. have to be in the movie. Except for the Lynn scenes, which are, I mean, I guess they're a little overplayed. It is what it is. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't want to cut Lynn out just because, again, we lose the scene where he takes her dress off with his cleats, which is, you know, kind of cool, to be honest with you. What's up, Cam? I was about to say, I mean, more Tom Berenger is always a good thing. So, I mean, no matter, even if it's not relevant to the movie, just seeing him, you know, not act like a crazy man, you know, out in the woods killing people, just to see him be a normal human being is a treat. Uh, Big Tom Berenger fan, huh? Well, I mean, I grew up him and Charlie Sheen in Platoon. That was that's my dad's all time favorite movie. And I remember the first time watching this, I'm like, well, they can't be friends. You know, I'm eight years old. I'm like, they hate each other in real life, right? Yeah, but, no, I also no, think it's great to see him be a human. I, I think they overplay the Jake Taylor leadership role. Um, I guess you have to do it in this movie, but I don't need it as much as they did it. Like another Eddie Lacy scene for me was after the I think it was the first game that Vaughn pitches in. Um, you know, Dorn misses a ground ball and it, like he missed a bunch of ground balls in this movie. But, uh, you know, R- uh, Ricky Vaughn, you know, accuses him of tanking the play, which is something I've never heard of um, tanking a play, I guess, maybe not giving effort on a play. I guess that's what he means. And then you get a scene where Jake Taylor goes to his house and basically threatens to cut his balls off and shove them down his throat, which maybe that's the whole reason they put the scene in there. But that was my only other Eddie Lacy. I mean, we went, we went a whole Eddie Lacy segment with all the Lynn scenes. I'm okay with it. We can cut those out. We also went a whole another Eddie Lacy scene with, with the Jake Taylor to Roger Dorn's house. I didn't need it. But outside of that, it's all baseball. Well, I can piggyback on your 
seen about Dorn tanking the play, right? So I have heard that term tanking or whatever, but in the context of the movie, he misses the ball, right? Yeah. But the way that Bob Euchre responds to it is expected. So, you know, the way Uecker, that that scene... I can't, was, I can't believe we went 30 minutes or 25 minutes without talking about Euchre. Oh, my God. Euchre is so great in this movie. Well, remember, he doesn't even appear in this movie until we get to the game. Yeah. So, it, but, my God. Bob Euchre. <laughs> thank you. Thank, I mean, what what a gift, right? So, yeah. the, let me give you a, a funny little trivia on that. So, they wanted Bob Euchre to play this part in the movie, the guy who went to go get him. Because he saw him in the Bud Light commercials, must be in the front row, right? And then he was on Mr. Belvedere. He was Mr. Belvedere, right? Uh Or he was in the TV show Belvedere. So when they finally approached him about being the play-by-play announcer for this thing, the guy guy from the production studio who wanted him had zero idea that Bob Euchre has been the play-by-play guy for the Milwaukee Brewers for 20 years to that point. (laughs) He just knew him from his TV stands? That's It's so... Unbelievable! I had to share that because, like, you can't make that shit up. The, the, the quote you're looking for was when he says, "Dorn didn't get much of a jump on that ball there, did he, Monty? But let's give him credit. At least he didn't spike himself." <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I mean, and I also did some research on this. Apparently, Euchre ad libbed almost the entire movie. Um, these were all top off the dome. Um, he was just. I, and I don't know how they shot it. I don't know how they called it. I would assume. They were doing some type of gameplay on the field with Euchre in the box, like calling it. That's the only way he could be in his natural element, I would imagine. Um, and he's drinking the entire time. That That's hysterical um, to me. I mean, it's just funny to know that – because he knows the team sucks. That's why he's up there drinking. Um, and he appears to be some type of fan of the Indians. I mean, he seems to like them um, in the movie, which would make sense. The hometown broadcaster is there to add some you know, joy and positivity about the team. He's not up there to just crap on the team. The entire time. But, yeah, Euchre is phenomenal in this movie, as you would expect him to be uh, calling a baseball game. What's up, Ken? What's there? I mean, this movie is uh, it's filmed mostly in Milwaukee, isn't it? Yes, it if is. If I remember right. It yeah. is. So it's funny that they stadium. got the Milwaukee. Yeah. The Milwaukee uh, play-by-play guy by accident for a movie filmed in Milwaukee. Apparently because of the Cleveland Browns schedule. I think back in the day, the Indians and the Browns might have played near the same stadium, around the same stadium. Um, Well, I know they play near each other because I've been to Cleveland before. The Browns were playing during the time of the shooting, and I guess it was just too much chaos around the stadium for them to get it. What's up, Dan? It was was the Jake. They shared the same stadium. They didn't have the two separate stadiums. Yeah, see, I wouldn't know. Um, a little, little bit, a little bit young in the tooth, I think, is that well, phrase. In your lifetime, every single city has had multiple stadiums for you know. But Not back the in the seventies and eighties, and even early nineties, almost every city the baseball team shared the football field. Like the Braves and the Falcons played at Fulton County Stadium. Wow! Um, it, so that's just how it was. Like it, like even the Green Bay Packers uh, would play a game in Milwaukee. That's nuts. I I would have never put two and two together there. I know, like my entire life growing up, the only the only stadium that was like that was the Oakland uh, Raiders Stadium because they shared it with the Athletics, and you would get that crossover um, there early, you know, September, um, early October before the Athletics inevitably got knocked out of the playoffs. So, um, yeah, not, not something that I would have recognized. But yeah, most of the movie is shot in Milwaukee. Anything else we need to just overview before we get actually into the movie or the categories, I should say. Yeah, there's, there's so a lot one, to talk about category wise. Much more to talk about than just overview of the movie. Yeah, so 
I mean, I don't know if you want me to nitpick, but I won't do that. But but yeah, I have something on Lynn. Do you want me to give it now, or do you want me to I do mean, put, nitpick? Bro, it's a, it's a free-flowing show. Right. Give it to me. So they play it up as there's so much history on mm-hmm. Jake and Lynn, correct? So they say, when did we have Jake Taylor? We had him two years ago, right? Yes. He said they met. So why is Lynn in Cleveland? Well, she's in Cleveland because that's where she lives, correct? So Jake was there two year, years ago. So they dated. And he's been gone because he got cut. Gone three right? years. Right. what so, she says. Right. But my point is that their relationship could have only lasted about six months. So they have so much history that he's hanging on so tightly for about six months of a relationship? Yeah, I don't, I don't think the, the executive producers went into a full background study of Jake and Lynn, um, obviously, because the scenes are, I mean, they're not, they're not useful, like we already talked about. They're, they're not really there. Um, also, she's a librarian, but just got done swimming. Um, she literally just got done swimming. There's a, there's a scene in there where they're in the library, and she goes, he says something like, we're both athletes. That's why we have so much chemistry. It's like, okay, guy. I mean, that that's fine, but you know, whatever. I'm 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 with you the more we talk about it. I just didn't need Lynn in this movie, other than, like I said, the 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 dress scene with the cleats, because it's cool. Um, no, I, I I think one thing we do have to mention is that Serrano's character was actually like loosely based off of uh the Alou brothers, Felipe, Maddie, and Jesus. Um, apparently they were like extremely superstitious. These, all these, uh, Alou brothers would talk to their bat consistently. They would, you know, write stuff in the dirt every time they got into the box. They were, they were doing these very superstitious things and the producer wanted to take that and make it, you know, times a thousand with Serrano, who is obviously into voodoo as we already talked about. Um, yeah, but I mean, we've already kind of talked any other like, fa- like favorite scenes that, that you like, I- I'll tell you this, Roger Dorn's wife, Whew, holy shit. Smoke show. Absolute smoke show. Everything she did, I was I was hooked to the screen. And also, I watched this movie for the first time when I was like nine years old, and I thought she was extremely hot. At 26, I still think she's kind of hot. Female owner in the locker room. We saw this in any given Sunday. Yeah, Obviously, not this something is... that's going to happen. No, and first of all, she nut taps Charlie Sheen. Yep. She slaps Serrano's ass, mm-hmm. and then... Jake has a massive bruise and she pushes on it. So sexual assault by the owner of the baseball team. 100% sexual assault. I mean, she, the, the, the tap on Serrano's ass was, I mean, it was, it was weak. Let's call it what it is. I mean, she just kind of, she just kind of taps him, but she also like with the cup check thing, she goes, Hmm, cup works. Like, Oh yeah, the cup works. I, w- I would hope it works. We're playing baseball out here. Also another thing. Major League pitchers not wearing cups. No. The only player on a baseball field wearing a cup from my, you know, history of playing baseball is the catcher. It's the only one that needs it. If my outfielder can't catch a ball well enough to not get hit in the nuts, he's probably not playing Major League Baseball. Same thing for the pitcher, the first baseman, the shortstop, everybody on the field, minus the catcher, because you know, foul tips, all that, all that stuff. You might catch one off the nats. But everybody else, why is Charlie Sheen wearing a cup? I don't. I guess just for this scene, but he's also picking at it when he first gets to the league. Um, when he first gets to training camp, he's like moving it around, doing the old cup maneuver that every young kid has to do um, when they have to start wearing a cup. I mean, I, I was notorious for cup grabbing. I didn't think this podcast would veer into cup grabbing, but yeah. I got two other things before we get in the categories. Uh, of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> when Donovan Donovan has the team has the meeting with Lou, right? Yeah. And they present the the situation to the players. 
and then there's instant buy-in, right? So a lot of, you know, that's real though, right? Whenever 100%. you're told, whenever you're told you, you are not, you're unworthy or whatever, like there is instant buy-in. So that's that, like, to me, that's not a movie thing. And I a hundred percent believable for me. And then the other thing is obviously it came later and you weren't alive for it, but watching this movie now in hindsight I get massive Braves 91 vibes from this movie because prior to that season, they were dog shit. Mm-hmm. And they that, came out of nowhere. Was rookie so, year? No, yeah, it was 94. Oh. 91 was the worst the first season. So ironically, you get all the credit for that, but the Twins did the exact same thing. We met in the World, Se- or, uh, yeah, in the World Series, but the Twins went from worst to first and won the freaking World Series, and we lost it. But serious Braves vibes out of this movie. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of speaking of Braves. There's a, there's a lot of like shouts out to the Indians. Um, Euchre does a lot of stuff in this movie where he he uses Indian terminology. Um, also, you can see why they changed the logo. That, that logo is very very not 2021 acceptable. Um, I guess I mean it's not. Let's just call it what it is. It's not, um, but it is the 90s. I understand why they obviously didn't have the hindsight, the hindsight that we have now, where. You know, doing the Indian thing with the face is not what you need to be doing um, out here. But it's Cleveland. I get that they probably didn't catch on to that until obviously 2020-ish, 2018-ish. But um, that's not what we're here to talk about. We're here to talk about movies. Um, no, let's. are we ready to get in categories, Cam? Do you have anything else before we get in? Anything we have to talk no, about before we talk about these categories? Let's just jump into categories. Anything I got can fit in there. Absolutely. Same for me. Like I said, this is a, this is a definition of a categories movie for me. Um, we'll start with best coach speak. Um, we already, I already hit on most of these. Um, I, one of them is he walks up or, you know, coach walks up. Or, excuse me. Lou Brown walks up. I keep forgetting his name. Lou Brown walks up to uh, Dorn and basically says, come on, Dorn, get in front of that ball. Don't give me none of this Olay bullshit. Um, Olay, terminology in baseball that coaches throw around all the time. You dodge a ball and you pull your head out. It's like Olay, you know, like the, the, the what do they call them, matadors, where you're Olaying the, the uh, bull in the matador ring. 100% coach speak. Um, the other one for me, and I, well, I don't want to steal it. I'll, I'll come back to me. Cam, what do you got for coach speak? Well, we, we just talked about it. Um, for me, I just wrote down bulletin board material. You know, nobody thinks you can do it. You know, they think you suck. It, it, it's the oldest trick. They talk about it, you know, every day on ESPN. They've got bulletin board material. So just just giving that speech was that whole speech was just perfect uh, coaching to me. Hundred percent, Dan. What do you got? So for me, it's whenever he calls Ricky Vaughn into the office, he's like, "Oh, you know, a lot of players had a hard time, you know, finding the strike zone. We had to send them down to the minors to work it out." And and if you've ever been in a situation where you're maybe not necessarily getting fired, but getting demoted or getting your assignment changed or whatever, or even in sports, you're, you know, you're losing your starting job. Everybody's heard that before. So that's, yeah. that's hundred percent coach speak. I also had another one with Ricky where he ends up going with Eddie Harris uh, when they go to, to start the game against the Yankees, the one game playoff, he calls him into the back of the bus and basically says, um, don't read anything into it, Rick. You're one of the guys that got us here. That's that's coach speak, 100%. That's coach speak. That's management speak. That's that's 100% the definition of the category. Um, not a lot of that, though, in this movie. I think they spent most of the time writing funny lines um, for, for Coach Lou Brown, and he delivers on every single one of them, most of which we will get to. Um, Teen Wolf, I'll start this one off. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going with the final scene. The, the final scene is so Teen Wolf for me, the, the suicide squeeze from second base. Um, a – 
Suicide squeeze from suicide squeeze from second base. Try saying that five times. A suicide squeeze from second base would never work in Major League Baseball. It wouldn't happen, um, especially with the winning run being on second. As soon as that guy picks that ball up and the dude is rounding third, they're just going to stop. They're not throwing it to first base. Um, secondly, if it actually was a suicide where the guy is supposed to be stealing on the pitch, well, he would have been thrown out at third both times when they tried to hit Jake Taylor because he randomly pointed at this, you know. Like, I'm going to hit a home run, Babe Ruth style. Um, yeah, guy would have been thrown out of third because he got the sign to steal third and eventually run home. So, that would have happened too. C, um, Jake Taylor never would have beat that out. And for that matter, he didn't have to because I don't think there were two outs. I think there was one out, one out in the bottom of the ninth. All, all, everything there is just – it's bad for me. I mean, it's, it's absolutely bad. And the only thing that wasn't bad, the third baseman. What a damn play by the third baseman from the Yankees. He picks that ball up barehanded and throws a piss missile over to first base. And like I said, should have been out. Jake Taylor never beating that ball out. I don't care if the third baseman is playing in the outfield. Um, 48-year-old, whatever, Jake Taylor with bum knees, ain't beating that ball out, especially when that third baseman made a play like he did. Dan, we'll go to you. Oh. So it's almost impossible to argue with that. Yeah. So you're a fan of the baseball play in this movie. I can tell you started out. You said you're like one of the first things you said tonight was that the baseball play you think was actually pretty good in this movie. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. I had something in my mind, and I, I can't re- even. I can't remember because you just you completely threw me for loop. I stole the categories. What you're telling me, Cam? Do you have anything? No, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, let you say you won and uh, not reveal that uh, I don't know anything about baseball. Uh, Church League Baseball, seven years old, doesn't tell you anything. You you just revealed yourself, so that's fine. Um, No, I I think for the most part, um, the only other thing I would have is every time Willie Mays Hayes swings a bat, it's awful. I mean, it's absolutely awful. It looks like a guy that's never swung a bat in his life. Um, Also physically impossible to hit as many pop-ups as he did. I think they just showed the same cut over and over again from different angles. Dan, you finally found something. Yeah, so what I was going to say is if yours is the winner, then the only other thing is like we seriously we can't walk, walk um workman. We have to pitch to him every single time and yeah. just let him go fucking just ham. Absolutely Dude, I mean, ham. Dude's hitting no there's nobody on base or there's a, a an empty base. So basically he's Barry Bonds in this movie, so we're we're going to pitch to him and let's just, they're like, we've never gotten this guy out. Keep walking then. <laughs> yeah, you can. You definitely have the freedom to walk him. You definitely, and especially with Wild Thing on the mound. I mean, that's kind of his thing, right? Um, I, and the only strike and he throws, hitting. yeah, the or hit him. The only strike uh, Wild Thing throws in the, his first appearance is to this guy, and he hits it into a different zip code. So I'm with you on that one. Um, I, I think that's another euchre. He he's go he hits it off the reservation. Um, and then says something like he's going to need a, a passport to get to that ball or something like that. Uh, Euchre, throwing smoke. We'll get to him in a minute. Um, let's go to Kevin Sandler. Um, I, I know history says that this one's going to go to Charlie Sheen's character, right? Um, he looked like a legitimate pitcher, and the reason being because he had an offer to play baseball in college at Kansas before he went off to play, you know, be in movies because his dad's a, a, a movie star. So, understandable. Charlie Sheen definitely going to win this category. I'll let you guys talk about him a little bit more before I give you my winner. I, I, Cam's shaking his head, so he might steal mine. Cam, what do you got? Well, I was just going to say, you know, the Charlie Sheen thing. I mean, he might win. I mean, he was throwing 85, yeah. but he got roided up, and they moved the uh, 
uh, the, the mound, mound up, make it look like he's throwing harder. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, I think he wins because I mean he's definitely a bath- good athlete. But uh, I'm gonna go with Eddie Harris. Um, he so okay. So you, you laugh, right? Um, doesn't look great in the film, but is actually was a three point uh, uh, a three sports star. You know, he played baseball, basketball, and football uh, back in his day, and also has appeared in three great movies in each sport. He was the bad guy in Hoosiers. He's the coach in Rudy. And Ed Harris. So, I mean, I, I think as far as athletes go in sports movies, you don't get a better fit than him. I mean, speaking of fit, I mean, it's awfully fitting that we watched this movie today. Well, I watched it yesterday and today. Um, but I think it's oddly fitting that we watched this movie and Eddie Harris is putting absolutely every bit of substance he can on his body. And that's the main thing that Major League Baseball is struggling with right now. But now it's sticky stuff to get uh, spin rates and, uh, you know, Eddie Harris has got what Vaseline on him. Um, I, I think at one Vagisil. point, yeah, I, th- I, I was about to say I think he had Vagisil on him. Um, I, you know, he's Crisco, Crisco, and he's sticking his hands up his nose to get some snot balls. I mean, he's doing everything. Uh, where, where's he put the? He put the Vagisil in his hair. Where, where, where's he put it all? I, I think he put the Vagisil's the, down here. Oh yeah, yeah you're yeah. right. The Vagisil's down he, on the hip. The the Vaseline's on the back of his neck. He sniffs jalapenos to get his neck nose running. <laughs> <Yeah. on. laughs> You put snot on the ball? I don't have the arm you do. All right. So <laughs> you put let, snot let me give on my, the ball. Go ahead. So the hardest position to play in, in baseball is catcher. Don't you do this. It, I, I got to do it, man. Jake Taylor makes the catching part of the game that's because, look natural. That's because he had a stunt double. That's that's facts. They used a 15-year MLB veteran that they came in and had do a like, training camp for him. Yeah, I, we did some research on it. I think Cam read the same article because I saw the same stuff about Charlie Sheen and the Roids in the 85 and the shortened mound. But, yeah, most of that stuff that you see from Taylor is a body double, and that's okay. Um, they do a great job of transitioning because you didn't see it. The actual winner of this category is Serrano, and here's why. All of those home runs he hit, those were legitimate home runs. Dead ass. Every single time he was scripted to hit a home run, Serrano's character, Serrano's actor hit a bomb. His name's Dennis Haysberg. Most people are Haysberg. Most people will know him as the Allstate guy. Um, big, deep voice. Yeah, he's the Allstate guy. Cam just had a moment of realization right there. That's funny that you went through this whole movie. You took all these notes. You, you read all these articles, and you didn't know that that's the Allstate guy. You're in good hands. Yeah, it's 100% him, um, and he's 100% hitting nukes in this movie. Every single time, he is hitting bombs. Um, but, yeah, I, I think we can give it either a, a tie here or we can give it to Sheen because Euchre did say, and as we have already alluded to, Bob Euchre has had what? What do you have? A 30-year career, 40-year career calling Major League Baseball for the Milwaukee, Milwaukee Brewers. Um, he straight up said Charlie Sheen could have played in the league. Like, that's what he believed. So, um, I'm with it. Like, it's very – Pitching to me, like all the swings are terrible. Okay, all of them. They're 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 god awful. Even for an '80s and '90s baseball, they're awful. Um, but the pitching, it can be really really tough. Uh, if you've ever seen Bull Durham, every single guy that ever throws a ball in that movie looks like a naff, like a non-athletic fuck, a hundred percent every single time. So it's really really hard as an actor to walk in and just be a pitcher and look like you're doing pitcher things. And he 100% did. So I guess we can give it to Charlie Sheen. But I just wanted everybody to know that Serrano hits nukes. Mr. Allstate hits absolute tanks. So that's good to know. Any other suggestions? I don't think there really is. I I, I honestly can't believe Eddie Harris and Jake Taylor are the two ones you guys came with. 
I, I watch well, those. Like, Wesley Snipes can at least run. Like, he at least looked good running. Yeah, but you told us we couldn't pick Charlie Sheen. We had to come up with something on the fly. Yeah, you're right, 100%. That's on me. I'll take that one. I'll take the L on that one. That is my fault. Um, I did, I did want to say, I forgot on my Eddie Harris take. Um, the Rudy coach, just to tie it back in for all the Georgia fans listening, uh, he played uh, Coach Devine and Rudy, um, who lost his last game as the Notre Dame coach to the Georgia Bulldogs, who won uh, in the 1980 for the national championship. So uh, just to tie it back in, nice little reference for all our buddies out there. I mean, I, I love how you just assume that everybody that in, partakes in our content and my content specifically is just happens to be a Georgia fan. Um, I guess it's probably true. Um, a lot of go dogs out there in my mentions, um, which is fine. I mean, most of these people, I mean, we literally have a category called 1980, so I get it. I mean, I 100% get it. Most people who listen to this are Georgia fans. So uh, let's get to ball braggart. Um, I got a couple of them. You know, again, the, the baseball was decent. I didn't think it was great. But as most of these movies do, they do a great job of not showing you that these guys can't play ball. They, they, they do a great job of it, um, honestly. So uh, one thing I do have to say is there's an opening scene in one of their first couple games. I get that they're a bad baseball team, but there are two pot flies where all three guys converge and drop it on the ground. Um, not going to happen. Like someone is going to catch that ball eventually. What's up, Dan? That literally happened yesterday and it was on Center. so – I'll shut up. But did it happen two pop flies in a row? Well, I don't know that they were necessarily two pop flies in a row in the movie either, but. Uh, Chronological order always gets me, man. Always gets me. Um, No, I'll say uh, after, I mean, just me picking on baseball things here. After uh, Lou Brown tells Jake Taylor, uh, you better, you, you better if you want, like, you better lie to me if you want to make this team, essentially. Um, They try to make him seem like he makes a bad throw. Right, he he throws down to second base. He makes a big loud grunt, and he basically says, "Shit, I suck." Um, but he throws an absolute one hopper and a seed down to second base. That is textbook. I mean, if you're not going to put it on the bag, you want to give that second baseman, that shortstop, that nice long hop, so they're not getting it close up on their feet. Like they're getting that nice long hop. The ball break. The the, the guy that should have been cut and probably was because he wasn't a main character. Is the damn guy step, stepping on second base? I mean, he pulls his head out and looks like he's afraid of a baseball. And, like, that's his job, standing there, ball braggart. It's a, it's a bad scene. Um, if you're going to make him look like he sucks, make him, like, dribble it out to second base or do what he did in the first game where he threw it damn near into the center field. So, I'm, that, that was one for me. Cam, do you have anything? Yeah, so, um, you know, I've already outed myself on my lack of baseball thing. But one thing I do know is, uh, is dress codes. And – the Yankees players would not have been allowed to play like they are. They've got long hair over the collar, which is not allowed by the they Yankees. they got facial hair. And uh, Haywood, the, the big star, has a goatee. So um, that, that's my thing. It, and it's weird because that was actually something that threw me off the first time I saw it. I'm like, you've got all this. This is a famous Yankees thing, and you're just going to miss that right off the bat. I mean, didn't – I think a couple of the guys in the late 80s had facial hair. I think a Steinbrenner getting on his high horse like early 90s, mid-90s. But, yeah, I'm with you. That's like a, a famous thing with the Yankees. No facial hair um, and, and the uniforms. My God, the uniforms. Oh, other ball bragger for me, do they not wet the field down at all? I mean, they look like they're playing in a desert. Every time someone slides, every time someone kicks up dirt, there is just a plume cloud of uh, of dirt and dust flying everywhere. Like, that's not going to happen in a Major League Baseball stadium. They're going to spray the damn field down. Do you have anything for me, Dan? Oh, I got – we can go all night on ball bragger. All right, so my first line is 
you have a pitcher who can't get anybody the fuck out, and he is beloved by the entire town. Hello, are you a Braves fan? Ask anybody if they like Luke Jackson. Guy can't get a damn soul out, and everybody in this town would kick his ass as far as they could kick it. So that's bullshit. And then the second uh, nitpick is the way that they portray the umpires, especially when he throws out Vaughn. He's chasing him up the line. Hello, my name is Dan. I was a AAA umpire. Oh, get fucking fired for that. I mean, that's that, now I, I understand back in the day it was a little bit more confrontational and you had that stuff. But in today's baseball, there's no way in hell that would fly. You chase a player down the line because you want to motherfuck him. You're go- you're you are not working anymore. Okay, so that's another that's hey, another thing. Hey, Cam, I'm gonna ask you something. Do you, do you think the audience can tell that Dan yelled at his kids right before this went on? Because he is hot, man. <laughs> I'm just surprised it took this long to break out the umpire talk. I was looking forward to it from the jump. Yeah, bro. I, I didn't even know that. That's a fun fact about Dan Kyle. Triple A said, hi, I'm Dan. Triple A umpire here. He threw out the bona fides on this fucking segment. Dan, more ball bragger because you could go all night, baby. Let's hear it. All right. So and then this is the most the biggest one. I told you even with Lynn stuff and the sexual harassment, all that stuff, I had one that was bigger. The most powerful union in the United States outside of the uh, the one in New York where the uh, Hoffa ran is the freaking baseball players union. Yeah. Do you realize how the shit she did in this movie would never fucking happen? Never. Not a damn chance. Not a chance. That that is the one thing in this movie, out of everything else combined, that is the most unrealistic. If an owner did this shit, Major League Baseball would take that team away from her. The players' union would never allow for the motive title. First of all, she put her players' lives in jeopardy. So moving to L. First of all, you guys both said Miami. Okay, she wants to move to Miami here, and then the other movie they wanted to move in, in any given Sunday. They wanted to move from Miami to L.A. Yeah, remember. So she wants to go to Miami. So she's going to endanger the lives of everybody on the fucking team by putting them on a plane that doesn't even work where the damn pilot is out there putting duct tape on the propellers. Come on. That is the most unrealistic thing in this movie. Another great scene with Eddie Harris and Serrano in there where Serrano's doing the the cross and Eddie Harris looks at him and goes, oh, now you believe in him. (laughs) Yes, Um, all right, I got one before we move on, and it is my favorite one. Unless you, Dan, you got any more, which apparently you can go all night. But um, the the home run at the end, the Serrano hits, which was a real home run, by the way, that's not a curveball. It is 100% not a curveball, which is the whole, like, storyline about Serrano, right? Uh, bad afraid of curveball. Like, yeah, can't hit a curveball, but yet dude grooves him a heater in the bottom of the – or the I think it was top of the – or bottom of the eighth, right? Because they tie it up there. It was seventh. Yeah, bottom of the seventh. Dude just grooves him a heater and lets him hit a two-run home run, bukkake. Um, and then he ends up running around the bag, uh, the bags with the bat in his hands, which a little bit of research here told me that that was not scripted. Um, he was just so surprised that he actually hit a home run that he – like the actor, that is. He actually hit a home run that he was running around the bags with the bat in his hands. So um, completely unscripted there. I think we got a freeze on our boy Cam. We'll get him back eventually. Cam, are you there? Yeah, no, I, I'm here. I just uh, the the or the video is down. You're good. Um, I will say so. Two things. Um, uh, talking about the uh, the bat running around the field. So one of the you know unwritten rules. So you know baseball movies are perfect for ball bragging because you've got written rules and then you've got unwritten uh, rules. Yeah, you have unwritten you, rules. You, 
So you uh, apparently it's an unwritten rule in baseball. You're not you're not supposed to carry the bat with you, but there's no written rule to get with it. And two, I mean, you're out here dogging on the groundskeepers. I mean, the groundskeepers don't like the team. Why would they be out there, uh, you know, putting in all the hard work? I mean, everybody's like, you know, I'm starting to like these guys. Nah, they're still shitty. Yeah, the 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 groundskeepers throwing smoke in this movie, even though you know they're using subtitles with them, but definitely throwing smoke. Um, up in this movie. Do you have anything else, Dan, before we move on? Mr. Triple A umpire. <laughs> so the only other thing is Doran gets caught cheating on a news broadcast. Are you, yeah. Is he, is he just the most unluckiest guy in the world or the dumbest son bitch on earth? Like, you're really going to be, come on. You don't know the camera's there? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I'm with you there. That's not a ball bragger. That's just, a, that's just you nitpicking the movie. I'm, I'm with you on that one. Um, also, yeah, it's, it just gives us another opportunity to talk about Mrs. Roger Dorn. Whew. Smoke show that Mrs. Roger Dorn. All right, 1980. I got to be honest with you guys. I, I, I've already told you my thoughts on this movie in terms of how tight it was and how well scripted it was and how well written it was. I didn't think there was a lot of tired lines in this movie. I, I could be wrong. Cam, do you have anything for 1980? No, I mean, the only thing I had was, once again, we have the lady in the locker room. That, that was the only thing I had written down because, like you said, for, for a movie that was made in the you know early 90s, late 80s, I mean, it holds up and is surprisingly relevant. I mean, as you pointed out, you know, having the, uh, you know, the foreign substances, you know, while you're pitching, it, it couldn't be more relevant. So I, it, it could not. Dan, are you going to give just, us a bunch of landlines? No, it's I, I mean, the way I interpret 1980 is just something that's completely played out. Right. And yeah. there, there really wasn't anything that fits that category. Maybe the narrative. Uh, that ran the 80s and 90s about wanting to re- re- relocate to either Miami or LA, right? Mm. The NBA, the NBA experienced, you know, I mean, I'm sorry, the NFL experienced the largest growth in the history of the sport without a team in LA. So you're telling me it's really that important? So it's just, I guess that would be mine. I'm just going to tell you, as someone who just got back from LA, shit's overrated. Cam, what do you got? I was going to say, I'm, I'm going to make Dan mad here. I'm, I'm going to get him real hot to close this out today. But is the reason there's nothing tired in this movie is because nothing changes in baseball. Baseball's Ooh. the same as it's been. Ooh. It's maybe a tired game. Ooh, that's a hot take. Dan, your response, AAA. I don't disagree with that. But, but that, for me, that's where the love affair comes is because uh, nostalgia. It's, it, it's the one thing that never changes. Yeah, the world moves on like steamrollers, but baseball's the constant. Yeah, but baseball is being left behind as the world moves on, and that's okay. I mean, it, I, I think the what we're not here to define the issues with baseball. I don't think there is any way to change it other than you got to figure out ways to make guys hit the ball more. I mean, that's about it, and hit it on a more consistent rate. But numbers and math have gotten their way into baseball. That's the problem. All right, Charlie Tweeter, um, a.k.a. the Cam Newton line. We have renamed this. The Charlie Tweeter category, these are the best one-liners. And, guys, there's a bunch of them. I mean, there are a bunch. I think I wrote down – I mean, I got six different quotes from Bob Euchre in this movie, which I'll save for the last. Um, yeah, no, nah, this is most highly contested. Um, I, I love the this guy's dead, and she looks at him and goes, cross him off then when they're originally looking at the roster. Um, another great one-liner in there, which is what I was trying to use earlier – um, she says, uh, or she, she says, the owner goes, I want to put it together, a team that can help us relocate to Miami. And then the GM goes, 
what do you mean? Some of these guys are furniture movers? <laughs> That's a great one line there. Um, we already hit the assistant coach saying, look at this fucking guy when he sees Wild Thing for the first time. Cam, let's get a couple one-liners from you, brother. I mean, I love the uh, when they're introducing uh, Wild Thing. Um, and he goes, uh, where were you at last year? California, California penal. <laughs> yeah, California. And just the look on everybody's face. Um, let's see. Um, I've got, and then right at the beginning when they first call Lou, um, he, you know, he's like Hammond and Han. I don't know if I want to do this. And then yeah. the, you know, hold off. Uh, I got, I got a guy on the line with white walls. That was yeah. the first thing. I knew it was going to be a great movie right off the bat with that. Absolutely. Jake Taylor has a great one in there right before that, where he's like, um, Roger, is this you? Are you fucking with me? At least if you're going to do this, call and say you're from the fucking Yankees. And then he hangs up the phone. Dan, what do you got? One hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Uh, don't worry about it. Nobody's listening anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that, Euchre, man, I'm telling you, he's throwing flames. That was Skip Carey. Skip Carey did that. Uh, uh, I'm not sorry. Uh, Harry Carey. Harry Carey did shit yeah. like that all the time. He was drunk as shit. Uh, but... I, I, like you said, I, first of all, there's so many quotes in this movie that we've all used in our life, like just a bit outside. There's yeah. no way you've ever watched a baseball game in your life and not said that at some point. But the one that I thought was hilarious, which is ironic coming from me because I fucking hate Lynn in all of her scenes, is uh, he says, Jake's a major league baseball player. And she's like, who do you play for? And he's like, I play for the Indian. And she's like, uh, here in Cleveland? And he's like, uh Yeah. We got uniforms and everything. It's really great. <laughs> we got uniforms and everything. It's really great. Um, I got... There are so many great lines in this movie, but for some reason that one hit me, and I just, I always, I, I know it's coming, and I fucking die laughing. We got uniforms and everything. It's really great. My my favorite, since we're talking a little bit about scenes, man, my favorite Ricky Vaughn uh, scene is when they're at the restaurant. And uh, he's in a cutoff, like, uh, cutoff suit, right? And a tie that's tied around his neck with what looks to be a tank top up underneath. And he looks at Jake Taylor and goes, man, I look like a baker in this. And then he looks at the menu and he flips the menu right side up. And then he asks Taylor, he looks at Jake Taylor and goes, they got any chili dogs on the menu? <laughs> and then they see, the, they see the girl, right? And uh, he looks at him and goes, you want me to drag that guy out of here and kick the shit out of him? <laughs> yeah, That's Va the one. Yeah, Vaughn's throwing smoke. But we have to talk about these Euchre lines. There's so many. I wrote so many of them down. You've already hit the just a bit outside. But then he also carries on. And he goes, he tried the corner and missed. Boy, how can these guys lay off pitches that close? And then he's got another one. We already talked about it. Um, Dorn didn't get a good jump on that ball there, Monty. But let's give him credit. At least he didn't spike himself. Um, and then when they play in the Yankees, uh, the I guess the, the hitter comes up, right? The, the big bomber comes up, and he goes, pretty sure this guy's a convicted felon. And then Monty looks at him and goes, doesn't look like it's in his file. And then Euchre goes, well, he should be. <laughs> and they got another one. Um, the, the closer comes in from the Yankees, and he goes, he leads the league and most hits Batman. And then he goes, this guy even threw at his own kid in a father-son game. <laughs> and all of these are ad-libbed. It's the greatest part about this whole entire movie, which is Euchre, um, which carries us into our next Nolan Ryan category. What do you got, Dan? You got more? I got one more. So the reason this is funny to me is because earlier in the show, you actually said this without even knowing that you said it. You were trying to find something. So during the, the movie, he says, this post-game show is brought to you by... Ah, fuck it. 
or Christ, I can't find it to hell with it. It, <laughs> it was funny as shit. I, I almost died laughing during our podcast because you were like, I, I can't find it to hell with it. Yeah. You said it without even knowing you said it. So that uh, I have, that I have done the, the just a bit outside thing, a whole bunch playing baseball. The other thing that I've done is at the end, and I've always tried to say it like, uh, like Lou Brown does. Forget the curveball, Ricky. Give him the heater. I say that one all the time. Like when I was calling pitches, I would say it all the time. I would look at my brother. Um, I, I coached for him, and I would be calling pitches, and I'd look at him because we both love Major League, and I go, to hell with the curveball, Ricky. Give him the heater. And we throw the heater. Dan, you look like you had something else. I was just going to say, dude, you actually do that voice really well. I mean, yeah. I hate, I, I love Thank impressions, you. Thank and you. people suck at them, but yeah. that was really legit. I liked it. And I appreciate it. it. I hope the audience did, too. I've been, I've been workshopping that literally my whole life. Literally my whole life. I've been doing that quote all the time. Um, Nolan Ryan, um, I guess we can, th- let's just throw Euchre out. Can we throw Euchre out? I think, I think he, he won this movie, honestly, um, uh, for me. Um, but it's full of Nolan Ryan characters or Nolan Ryan type candidates. These are guys who are throwing absolute heat. Um, Serrano is one of these for me, Ricky Vaughn, um, Dorn, Roger Dorn is miserable in this movie, but he's, he's going for it. I mean, every scene he's got, he is 100% going for it and playing the role too. So those are my three candidates. Um, also the random fans, you know, the, the guys that they show, which happened to, research tells me it's a, a father and two sons. Um, those guys were great. You know, the, who the fuck are these guys? Um, which they, they threw a Yankee or like a New York Yankee, uh, type of, uh, what do you call it? Hell, I forgot about it. Screw it. Move on. Um, Dan, Dan, what do you got, uh, for Nolan Ryan? Well, I think I'm going to surprise both of you. And oh. I'm not even sure an inanimate object can fucking win Nolan Ryan. But I got Joe Boo. Oh. Joe, Boo wa- Joe Boo wastes no time whooping <laughs> Harris's ass for drinking his rum. I'm talking about my man's is on the concussion protocol because he drank <laughs> Joe Boo's rum. So Joe Boo is my winner. Up yours, Joe my- Boo. <laughs> Motherfucker bringing heat. Yeah. Joe Boo's throwing smoke. He's also smoking. I mean, he's 100% smoking a joint. Uh, or a blunt. It's definitely not a joint. It's a blunt. Um, Joe Boo, inanimate object, winning Nolan Ryan. We might have to just give it to that one. Cam, what do you got? I'm still recovering from that one. <laughs> um, I, mean, I was going to say Serrano. Maybe I should have known we were in good hands since he's an All-State guy. Uh, but, no, I, I mean, I mean, you could go with anybody in the thing. But, uh, like I said before, I really enjoyed Tom Berger's character. Um, like you said, they might have laid it on a little thick, but he's just giving it his all. Um, so you like Jake Taylor he... in this movie. I think you're a little biased for your Baron And Crush. Yeah. And you like old Behringer, too. That's weird. Yeah. Tell me you haven't watched a music video to Copperhead Road and don't love that guy. I'm going to tell you right now, I have no idea what you're talking about. What? Yeah, what are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, what well, are you talking I, about? I guess... <laughs> That's a you thing, bro. I'm telling you right now, Tom <laughs> Berenger has not come up in my life. Honestly, he looks nothing like he did as Jake Taylor. So, yeah, nowadays when I saw him on IMDb, no clue who that guy is. Not a clue. I know Jake Taylor. I know who Jake Taylor is. Don't know who Tom Berenger is. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I didn't really I – I think Jake Taylor was a, a mediocre performance. But for me, um, just with the way they framed him, um, I'm probably going to go with Serrano or Ricky Vaughn here. I mean, I thought both of them did a great job, um, you know, playing the roles that they had. 
Um, Charlie Sheen, you could definitely tell he was very early on in his acting career. Um, he seemed like he got warmed up as the movie went on. Um, but yeah, I, I'm going to go with Serrano, honestly, because it's my favorite character in the entire movie. Everything he says to me is funny. Um, and in the second movie, which we'll get to, the third movie's horrible. Major League Two, Serrano has one of the greatest scenes uh, when he hits a home run and he, he's talking to uh, the, the Japanese outfielder and he puts his hands in between his legs like he's got a pair of nuts. That, that's the greatest scene in the second movie, which I know we're not here to talk about, but I, I'm going with Serrano just because growing up, he was one of my favorite characters. Any other suggestions? We got Joe Boo, Serrano, and uh, I can't remember who. Oh, you went with Jake Taylor. Get the hell out of here. You lose that category. You're done. Um, all right. Over. Oh, listen. What's up? When the when the Indians went to the World Series, Jason Kipnis, who actually plays Put for the Joe Braves Boo right in the now. Locker. I heard about this. Fuck yeah, it is. So I win. I guess we'll give it to you, but they lost that World Series, so you lose. Uh, true. They also sacrificed chicken, I think. No, they didn't sacrifice a chicken. Serrano wanted to sacrifice a chicken, so Jake Taylor said, don't worry, I'll figure it out, and brings him a bucket of Kentucky Fried Chicken. No, but I'm saying the, the guys who did the Joe Boo thing also did the chicken thing. They did. They sacrificed a real chicken. No, 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 no. They oh, ate okay. the whole chicken. Oh, yeah. okay. I was about to say. They, right. they did the Serrano thing. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. The replacements kind of stole from this, right? They, they had the whole eggs, like Buddy was eating the whole eggs before game. Um, maybe, I don't know, probably a reach there for me. Um, all right. Over under properly rated. I was shocked to see on IMDb. I don't do a whole lot of IMDb digging. I will obviously do more as we move forward, um, with this series, but 84% audience score matched an 84%, uh, critic score. So the audience thought the same thing that these prick critics thought, which is very, very rare. Um, 84% for me. And again, this is a movie that I grew up on loving, 84% seems about right. I mean, I would probably go maybe just a little bit higher, but I'm going to go properly rated. I, I think that's exactly where I would put it. Um, I, th I think there are some things to clean up here. Um, there's things to tighten up just a little bit. We could throw Lynn all the way the hell out, according to Dan. Um, over, under, properly rated. Cam, we'll start with you. Oh, I mean, I think, like you said, it, it, it's probably a B plus instead of just a B, but, I mean, it, it's right there in it. It, it, it. Especially to have the audience and the critics right there together, I think it's properly rated. 100%. Dan, what do you got? Movie. I mean, we can nitpick this movie to death. And, and obviously, for the format of the show, we do that. But I, I think regardless of what is rated, and maybe it is properly rated, for me, it's, it's underrated because it, it's a timeless classic. You can watch it over and over again. And is, it, I don't care how many times you watch it, you're still going to laugh. Yeah. And, you know, we have the ability to fast forward through shit now and we don't have to get up off the couch to do it. So we can clip out, we can edit the movies. And when I watched it, I clipped out the scenes. Thanks. So glad you did your research. Um, uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I think the, the thing that's best about this movie is the fact that it does hold up, which so many movies don't nowadays. I mean, some of these movies that we're going to have to watch um, through this series, however long it goes, we're going to go through a bunch of movies and a lot of these things aren't going to hold up. Um, but any given or any given Sunday, I think Hell did a good job holding up Varsity Blues. Definitely, I mean, like I said during the Varsity Blues episode, if and if you haven't listened, go back and listen. Um, if my wife is entertained by a, a sports movie that came out what 15, 20 years ago, that's a damn good movie. That movie holds up. Major League, one of these movies, definitely holds up. Um, loved it as much, if not more, you know, as a as an, a grown adult than I even did as a kid when I first started watching it. So. I'm going to go, you know, I've changed my mind. It's underrated. It's, it's a great 
baseball movie. It's a great sports movie. It's one that very few people talk about, honestly. Like, when you go through baseball movies, it's a long list before people get to Major League, at least people that are my age. Um, so if you haven't watched it, you're like, what the hell are you doing? You need to go do it. I think it's a tailgate for all of us. Is that correct, gentlemen? We're tailgating this movie? Oh, hell yes. Yeah. Hell yes. I, Absolutely. I'm, I think the only movie I've showed up late for so far was any given Sunday, and that's okay. I can afford to miss 45 minutes of that movie because i still got two hours left. Um, so, yeah, we're good there. Um, but, you know, I will sign off with this because Dan appreciated the impression. Um, you know what? When, when life throws you a big hitter, forget the curveball, Ricky. Throw him the heater. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this has been Tailgate Tapes. I'm Brooks for Dan and Cam. We appreciate you being here. Like, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. We will see you next week. Uh, if you got any suggestions, hit me up on Twitter, at BrooksAustinSI. I think you're at DJ Kylie. Um, Dan? No, uh, it's Dan Kylie 3 on yeah, um, Twitter. And Cam, we won't give yours away because we're going to hide that government name because you're Cam Brady for the rest of my life, as long as I know you. Um, appreciate you guys for being here. We will see you next time.